people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want purpose-driven work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shops Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello and welcome to People Strategy Leaders Podcast. This is Sri Chalapa, your host. Today I'm joined with Morag Barrett. Morag Barrett is the CEO of Sky Team, a leadership development organization that focuses on helping leaders achieve big results with and through others. She's the author of three books, The Future Proof Workplace, Cultivate, You, Me, We, Why We All Need Friends at Work, She's worked with over 20,000 leaders through leadership programs and one-on-one executive coaching, speaking engagements, and she focuses on creating business outcomes through the power of professional relationships. So today we will talk about her new book, You, Me, We, Why We All Need Friends at Work. Welcome to the show, Morag. Such an honor to have you on the show. Sri, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, you know, we don't really talk a whole lot about having friends at work. You know, the whole concept has been leaving work at work and then having your friends and family outside of work. So you have the separation, although those lines have kind of really blurred these days with the hybrid work at home environment. At least it has for me and a lot of my team members. Um, That being said, you know, what is the reason behind writing this book now? And, you know, what, what did you want to really communicate through this book um, th- that you wrote? Well, I'm glad you asked because I was the same. My first career was in finance back in the UK. And I can remember being told it's not personal. It's just business. And the reality is, especially in this 21st century, is that all business is personal. It is the quality of our relationships that keep customers coming back for the product or service that we're doing, but it's also the relationships that we create within our organization and across the industry that helps to facilitate our career success too. So I I firmly believe that the secret to success, whether you're working for a big global organization or maybe you're running your own company as a solopreneur, it comes down to the health and the quality of the relationships that you build with your family, with your friends, and with your professional network. And that was the inspiration for both Cultivate, my first book, Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships, and now You, Me, We, Why We All Need a Friend at Work and How to Show Up as One, which is the sequel and aim and provides the answer to how do I show up as an ally? How do I show up as a friend and care about your success three as much as I do my own, but without becoming a doormat and just a yes person. Yeah, I mean, the friends is sort of could be misinterpreted in some ways, right? Because if you have a friend, and what if that person is a person junior to you in the organization, maybe you'll have a bias when you're looking at uh, 
advocating for somebody for promotion or looking at protecting somebody when there's a layoff uh, of some sort like that. So how do you make sure that you still keep that professional separation while you still are an ally and a friend for somebody that you may have some influence over? So I think that's a great question. And the reality is that both of those scenarios exist. It is possible that you and I could be peers. We are friends at work. And then one of us gets promoted into a more senior level. The relationship doesn't end just because of that promotion. And so for me, it is all about setting and making the implicit explicit. Are we talking about what are the new rules of engagement? And in fact, as friends, it should enable me to have those tough conversations, maybe give you the feedback you need to hear more easily than if we haven't got that foundation of trust and so forth. Now, on the other side of the coin, I recognize that friends is an emotive word and certainly Gallup, who've, doing, who've been doing engagement research for more than 20 years, their question 10 is, do I have a best friend at work? And they consistently get pushed back on that question. And that's why we've reframed it. Reframed it is less about, do I have a friend at work? It's, am I a friend at work? Do I go first? But whether or not it means I take you home to meet my mother, it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be best friends forever. But certainly for the next six weeks or this project, while we're working on this team, However you want to name our relationship, it needs to be based on trust where I know you've got my back and I've got yours. Yeah, I think that's important to make a slight distinction there, right? Because it's not necessarily the friend you go and have pizza and beer with. And you might still. Mm -hmm. uh, Many friendships start there. You know, right. But here's the challenge there, right? If I think of you as a friend and you are in a committee meeting where they're discussing layoffs, I am somehow expecting or really hoping that because you're a friend, you, you got my back, regardless of whether I'm going to be above or below, below that line that they're going to draw on, on the, on the, in the committee meeting, right? So I think those are some of the challenges where you keep a friendship, but you also you know, have a, a professional understanding, if you will, that you know, when it comes to business, you know, we will have to follow the protocol and make sure we are being fair to everyone else. Because mm -hmm. the friendship doesn't mean I will protect you at the expense of fairness. Agreed. And I think you nailed it when you referred to biases earlier, because I think biases and, and unconscious biases, there's so much research on those, they are by their nature implicit. But if we've gone into this relationship knowing that there is a friendship, we've made it explicit, it should allow us to put into place those checks and balances to ensure that the bias doesn't outweigh the needs of the business, the needs of the individual and the needs of the team. And that is the art and science of being a leader and a manager in the modern world is taking into account those three different perspectives in a way that ensures that we can all be better together and meet our goals together. So let's talk about the mistakes people make, right? So what are some of the common mistakes that people make when it comes to nurturing these professional relationships, quote unquote friends, or maybe their relationships, but maybe friends might be too strong of a word in those cases. 
Well, I think just leaving it to chance and and hope is not a strategy when it comes to building those relationships that you can rely on. And in our research with the Ally Mindset Profile, it actually makes for heartbreaking reading reading because 20% of the leaders who've completed that profile say that they have no friends at work. Now think about that for a moment. On a good day, when you're meeting your goals and everything is effortless and wonderful, maybe it doesn't matter. You can be the lone wolf. You can navigate those sunny days. The true test comes when things start to hit the fan. And let's face it, projects miss milestones. They start to go off the rails. If you haven't got at least one friend who's going to give you the warnings of impending disaster or somebody that you can go to and ask for advice or guidance to pitch in and help get things back on track, then you are at your most vulnerable at a time when you need those friends at work. So one of the mistakes I think that leaders consistently make is both leaving it to chance and leaving it too late, leaving it until that moment of need to pick up the phone and ask versus making deposits into the relationship bank account that you can then draw on in your time of need. Yeah, and I think that's actually very important. You know, one of the things I always talk to even my team members. And when I say your, your leadership quality and your leadership effectiveness is not about if you're managing a person directly or how many people you're managing directly. It's about how good are, are you at influencing somebody you are not managing directly mm-hmm. to make sure that the ball moves forward, in, at least for you, right? Without necessarily manipulating, but influencing it. And you need that friends circle, the network of influencers across different functions to really get things done. Because if you always use hierarchy to get things done, it's not going to be a long-term impact because you get things done by influencing, using that relationship. And then it's, there is reciprocity because then mm-hmm. you, they can come and ask you for some, something later and that's okay. And that's part of this give and take where you are working through these blurred communication channels um, that are not necessarily uh, regimented or hierarchical or even a Absolutely. Formal. And it's interesting because, again, in the research from the Ally Mindset Profile, not only are 20% of leaders saying at all levels saying, I don't have a friend at work, when I ask people about their most troublesome relationships, yes, there are a few toxic bosses, there are one or two annoying and difficult to work with team members, but by far the biggest pain in the side are those horizontal relationships with our peers, both within our immediate function, maybe reporting to the same boss, but certainly elsewhere in the business. And then that gets replicated in the politics silos and turf wars that we see playing out in corporate environments that ultimately slow down information that undermine the quality of decisions and therefore impact the success of everybody. And if you can be a leader that is proactive, who's curious, who reaches out to your colleague that you see on the Zoom call, but maybe you've never met with a, hey, Sri, I saw you in that meeting yesterday. Do you have 10 minutes? I'd love to understand what you do for this company and how our roles intersect or not. And just that, everybody has 10 minutes. And when you approach it with curiosity about what is it that you do? How is it that my role helps or hinders you? And maybe what's one thing I can do different? 
that is a powerful way of starting to set that foundation of trust that can help you both in the long run. Yeah, yeah, because my priority is not your priority. Not right? always, yeah. And, right, and it, and it usually is not. So especially if you're not in the same team, you're not working in a, in a direct reporting relationship. At that point, the friendship is where, where it really plays a good part. Um, and I think, you know, the hard part, and I'm going to digress a little bit here, how does a person who's at the very top, like CEO, like me, or a, or a president, or a COO, or a CTO, or somebody like that, have a friend at work? Because that's a hard one, right? Because they're expected to know all the answers, they're expected to not show, not be vulnerable too much. You know, vulnerability, there's a lot of, you know, uh, debate about, yes, you should be vulnerable, you should show vulnerability, but shouldn't be too vulnerable, because that shows weakness. There's been some discussion around that. I had a great podcast with Jacob Morgan a couple of weeks ago about mm-hmm. his about new that book topic. is on that topic uh, he, yeah. had, he wrote a book on the topic and we actually had some good conversation about you know how can you be show vulnerability without being vulnerable um, and friendship sometimes can be problematic especially if you're right at the, the top you know it's easy to be a friend friend if you're a middle manager and you got 20 other middle managers in the organization right so what's your advice or- I would argue otherwise because if you the, the misnomer I've heard from other leaders is, oh, yes, I've got 20 peers, but we're all in competition for that one promotion. So, in fact, it gets into more of a dog-eat-dog environment when we aren't being deliberate and thoughtful. But if I come back to your original question of I'm senior in the organization, do I really need a friend? Can I even make a friend? I would argue that you need friends even more when you're at the top of the organization because there If you don't have a foundation of trust and a strong relationship, then chances are you're not, you're going to get filtered messages from those who report to you because ultimately you hold power over my career. And if you're not getting the messages you need to hear, then you may be leading the organization in a direction that is going to be less successful for all. So it's career limiting for you if you're not getting it because you don't have friends whether it's at the board level, whether it's at the peer in the industry, or whether it's from your direct reports and lower. And it's career limiting for others to lean in with courage and vulnerability to speak truth to power. And that's what we're trying to change with you, me, we is thinking about step one is look up. How do I want others to feel in my presence? How do I feel? Do they feel safe to speak truth to power, even if they're wrong, because I'm going to coach and mentor them? And then show up. How do I need to be in this next meeting to create maybe that climate of candor and debate where people will take informed risk to talk about the real issues that are both helping or hindering the company? And then the third element is to step up, to actually do what we know we should do, especially in times of stress or uncertainty, that ensure that people feel heard, that they're being set up for success and not blindsided and that they feel like they belong. And when you can do that, you have an organization that others want to work at, not have to work at, and anything is possible. Yeah, yeah. I I found that a little bit hard, especially in my role, you know, because I am generally a very friendly person. (laughs) And and sometimes I have to be like, okay, I need to be, I need to have a little bit of some boundaries on, on, on things that I can do or share. Nail it. So abundance and generosity is the first of the five practices of an ally mindset. And I, too, am still learning 
how to set appropriate boundaries because abundance and generosity is your overall philosophy to life and success. And if you see um, success as a finite resource, what I tend to see is then hoarding of information, hoarding of the rock star talent so that I look good and you aren't as successful. But if we can see success as infinite and play the long game, as Dory Clark would describe it, then I'm more willing to be generous with my own experiences, my own knowledge, my own expertise to help you and therefore me to succeed. The downside is, certainly from my own experience, is that I can be so focused on helping everybody else, I deprioritize my own needs. Mm -hmm. I'm saying yes too often and not saying no or no, not yet, as often as I should. So you nailed it. It's it isn't a blanket friend that will do anything doormat, as I said at the beginning. It is within boundaries. And we together get to negotiate and to set and reset where those boundaries are so that we can both thrive. Yeah. I and mean, one of the things I caught myself saying after I realized it, I'm like, you know, I realize now you're actually delegating upwards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do, not, do not start delegating upward. I've got enough to do. And the reason you are here is because I want to delegate, not to be delegated to. So that's uh, that was a good one uh, that I realized. I'm like, you know, at this point, it feels like I'm getting delegated to some of the work because uh, um, we are too, too, too easy with each other, you know. Um, you know, the one thing that has been an issue, you know, I came from an environment where we all used to work together in a common workplace. And even though I was in consulting, so I had to travel. So, but by definition, I was in a hybrid work environment, you know, forever, but it was not termed as one. It was just that I was a consultant. So I had to be in the client site, have at least 50, not 50, maybe 75 to 80% of the time. I'd be a client site and 20% will be back in the office and we'll be working mm -hmm. together. Um, and then, so I was kind of used to that, but majority of the people work in a co-located space. And so it was much easier to create friendships. And I can say that from my, my, you know, my experience that it, it has been much harder for me. And obviously now that I'm a CEO, it's even harder to some extent, but what is, you know, how do we nurture relationships for the 90% the, the of the people out there? when you are working in different cities and different regions and time zones, um, because people are hiring, and I'm hiring people regardless of which state they are in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in the US. So that's a hard one, right? It is a hard one. And before the pandemic, it sounds like you and I may have been on a similar mindset in that I believe if you want to be a better human, you have to do it in the room with other humans. Well, the pandemic put paid to that. And what I've come to realize in the last three to four years is some of my newest and deepest friends I have made through the power of Zoom. And I, I did not believe that that was possible. And it comes down to choice. You have to choose to lean in to a new way of interacting with the others and choose to create an environment where we can learn each other's stories, not just hey, Shri, how's that project coming? Where's my Gantt chart? But to spend some time on the small talk, the connection and the compassion of, hey, what's happening in your world? 
how are you spending? I mean, it's the US here, we're coming up on holiday season around the world. How are you spending the holidays? And allowing a breath for what used to be the water cooler conversations to happen now in a structured environment through Zoom. And I know personally it can work and I have seen it transform some of my most buttoned up clients. We had one leader go through uh, our leadership academy and he says, so so what you're saying is I have to start every meeting with small talk. And he literally put Mark's five minutes of small talk. So it was a bit of a joke. Well, it took on a life of its own, such as the whole organization now has Mark's five minutes of small talk at the beginning of their agenda. And it just brought them closer together by pausing long enough to say, hey, what's happening in your world, in your life? Now let's talk about the work that's happening in our office, our virtual office that we need to get to. Yeah. And actually, sometimes small talk is easier to do when you're from different cities then you can talk about the sports team when they go against each other from those cities you know that's well yeah my colleague eric um, wears baseball caps when we do travel now because he's found that baseball caps people will stop and start conversations with him if he's wearing football it doesn't work yeah he's see he he would know what that is and he would he would definitely do that and it is it's the challenge we have virtually is that with all the technology at our fingertips, whether it's Slack, I have it going off on the left here, or the endless Zoom and email and text, it only gives us the illusion of connection. And in fact, it might bring me closer to you in St. Louis, and here I am in Denver, Colorado. So it brings people who are a long way apart closer together, but it actually causes disconnection for the people immediately around us. And any of us, and I know I've done this, can do fake perky for 30 minutes hit the big red button at the end and just go, I can't believe Sri just asked us to do that. I, I don't understand. He doesn't seem to understand me. The key as a leader here is to look for those opportunities to just check in, whether it is at the end of the day, sending a text and saying, hey, Sri, didn't see you today. Hope you've had a good Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Or making a note when you say, oh, I've got a family member that's getting married in three months' time make a diary note and three months from now say, how did the wedding go? And that way, it's not cheating to write down and make yourself um, cliff notes and reminders, but certainly in a distributed environment where I'm not seeing you walking down the corridor, it is another way of just making us more connected than otherwise would happen. Yeah, yeah. So what what are some of the other things you want to have a key takeaway. And there was one thing that I noticed in your, in your book, you mentioned the four yeses that underpin mm-hmm. every relationship. Um, I'm curious, you know, for the audience to know what those four yeses are. The four yeses. So this goes back to our earlier conversation around intentionality. And certainly in my finance career, the focus was on the first two questions. The first one being, can I count on you? Can I count on you to get your stuff done and back to me so I can get stuff off my to-do list? The second question is, can I depend on you? So question one is reactive. I ask you to create me a PowerPoint. You send it back to me. Check, you're done. Can I depend on you, though, is the proactive. Can I depend on you to get it into the right branding and the formatting, to spot the typo and to put that right 
to give me some suggestions for how I can improve the message or improve the process. And those two questions are transactional. It's where my finance career stopped and started. Questions three and four, however, are transformational. They are about how work gets done. And question three we've touched on, it's the do I care? Do I care about you as a human being and not just the job title? Do I know your story? Do I care about how you're feeling and engaging in the world? And then question four, the kicker of them all is, do I trust you? But here's the thing. It's not enough for us to sit here thinking about the people who work for us and say, can I say yes about them? It's to also put yourself in your, their shoes and think about, can they say yes and a heck yes when they think about the experience of working with me? It's a two-way street, which is why, again, the book title, You, Me, We, is why we all need a friend at work, but also how to show up as one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you touched upon this earlier as well about the ally mindset, and, and you mentioned a couple of things there, but you said there are five, there are five components? Five. Yes, five practices. And we call them practices because whilst Eric, uh, Eric Spencer, Ruby Vesely, and myself as the co-authors of the book have done a lot of research around this topic, interviewed hundreds of leaders and analyzed the ally mindset profile data, we recognize that some of these practices come easily to us and some we are still practicing. Mm -hmm. So the first one I mentioned, and that was abundance and generosity. And if we don't have an abundant and generous mindset, then you're not going to get to the second practice, which is connection and compassion. And that is what we just talked about. How do we create that sense of belonging? How do we build that basis of trust? How do I get to know your story and vice versa? Because if you don't feel like I see you as a human being, if we don't have that friendship or basis of trust, we're not going to get to the third element, which is courage and vulnerability. Courage and vulnerability to work independently and take informed risk. Courage and vulnerability to give you the feedback you need to hear. Courage and vulnerability to ask for help when I need it. And if we don't have courage and vulnerability, we definitely don't get to candor and debate, which means that we are discussing the how to resolve the business challenges that face all of us every day. And if we don't get to candor and debate, if we're living with the elephant in the room, if we're not having the right conversations, then you can bet your bottom dollar that you're not getting to the fifth practice, which is all about action and accountability. Mm -hmm. And that's where things are falling through the crack. I'm nodding to you in the Zoom meeting going, yes, Sri, that's a great idea. And then promptly hanging up and carrying on as I was before and not making the changes or delivering the results or expectations you were expecting. So those five practices are action and account, um, abundance and generosity, connection and compassion, courage and vulnerability, candor and debate, and action and accountability. And if anybody listening to this would like to find out their own profile and, of course, contribute to our ongoing research, then you can go to skyteam, S-K-Y-E, team.cloud, forward slash you, me, we, and it will take you straight to that self-assessment and you'll get your own personal report. And I will be grateful for your contribution to our research. Oh, great. I, I need to do that now after this. Thank you. 
recording. Um, great. Well, it's been a pleasure um, very much, Morag, for, for your uh, you know, insightful thoughts and the book. It's very relevant right now more than ever, I believe, because the hybrid environment, it's easy to forget that there are real human behind these two dimensional videos. Um, mm -hmm. And that we need to sometimes make a deliberative effort to make these friends without making you know, some mistakes, as you mentioned, where you're taking it for granted or, or letting it just happen without, I mean, sometimes letting it happen is good because serendipitous relationships do turn into good friendships. Well, they do. They um, do. So I appreciate that. And where can they read more about your work? Obviously, you mentioned where they can go and submit and get their own assessment, but also contribute to your research. So the skyteam.cloud forward slash you, me, we will take you to take the Ally Mindset Profile. Both you, me, we and Cultivate are available from all um, booksellers, but feel free to drop me a message if you're struggling to find it. And of course, LinkedIn or my company website, skyteam, S-K-Y-E, team.com. And you can learn more about the work that Eric, Ruby and I are doing with leaders around the world. Thank you. Morag Barrett, it's been a pleasure. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, Tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag People Strategy Leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.